Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Last week, Paul instructed wives, and as promised, this week it is the husband's turn to be taught. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Please listen carefully, you husbands, as Pastor Harris instructs us in today's slice of this week's message entitled, Spirit-Led Husbands. Jewish marriage came in actually five stages. First is betrothal. That's what we would say is um, like engagement, only it was more than that. The terms of the agreement were accepted in the presence of witnesses, and God's blessing was pronounced on the plans for this couple to be married. In other words, they took their vows at the front end of the engagement. They said, this is what we are going to do. Then came an interval between the betrothal and the wedding feast. During that time, which would last roughly a year, the groom might use that time to pay a dowry to the bride's father if that had not been done already. Um, That um, was also the time sometimes that a young man would get his business started or um, even build a house for for he and his bride to be in. There were different ways that it was applied. That commitment during that time was so high that as with Mary and Joseph, remember they were in that interval, they were betrothed, uh, only a formal divorce could end that. It was a serious commitment. Then came the procession to the wedding feast. The bride got herself all gussied up, and she had her friends with her. The groom put on his best clothes, and he would be accompanied by his friends, and he would proceed through the town, making a big deal out of it, to go pick up his bride-to-be. And that led to the wedding feast. He would receive the bride at her home. There would be another procession to the place where the feast was, and that was the grand party. We would call it the wedding reception. The wedding feast was such a big deal that if the parties involved could handle it, it it could last for days. And that's the picture behind the idea of the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19 when you elevate it to the ultimate spiritual level. And the final stage is the marriage is consummated and a new home is established. And you've left father and mother and now you are united to each other. Now in the relationship between Christ and the church, we're the bride. We're in that interval. We look forward to the procession and the wedding feast. But here's the point. As Christ cares for the church... By providing all that she needs to be as beautiful and perfect as possible for the consummation of our relationship, so ought the husband to do 
for his wife. Lead her in the things that delight our bridegroom, Christ. And so as he wants to present the church in all her glory, well, Christ is preparing the church for the, the wedding feast and splendid, glorious costume. He holds the church in the highest honor. And so a husband should want the same for his wife, for her to be adorned not only in the righteousness of Christ, but in the good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in, walk in them. So people see us and glorify our Father for our good works. There should be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. That's the definition of what it means to be presented in glory. Well, now he has stated the theological truth. Paul applies the analogy directly to husbands. Look at verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Two key words there, so and ought. So means in the same manner as Christ loves the church, a husband should imitate his love and apply it to his wife. The word ought is a word that describes owing a debt. You said I do, so do it. It is your obligation. This is how you, this is part of how you worship God is you, you take the best possible care of that helper that he made perfectly for you. Husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. That's telling you that to love your wife, you should love her as you love your own body. You take care of your body. You feed it. You groom it. Try to make it look as good as it can or as least bad as it can. You care about it. And remember the word picture in this passage. In the home, you're the head and she is like the body, just as in the church, Christ is the head and we are the body. If you don't take good care of her, both the body and the head will be disgraced. He who loves his own wife loves himself. You, you are one flesh together in a real spiritual way with your wife. And the relationship of the head and the body is so inextricable that to love her is to love yourself Marriage is not just a merger of interests. It's the commingling of two lives into a new entity that is more than the two individuals could ever be on their own. Now, I think it's safe to say that generally speaking, if you do man on the street, woman on the street, or in the pew interviews, Husbands are usually more satisfied with their marriages than the wives. There are a couple of reasons for that. I think primarily it's because men are relationally underdeveloped, is a polite way to put it. Um, we just don't think that way. But something I've seen far too many men miss until it's way too late is one simple idea. You and she are one. You are inseparable. Early in my ministry, I had a guy 
pouring out his heart to me one time of the, his wife said they had a problem and he didn't see that they had a problem. He didn't think that she had a problem. And I blurted this out and then I realized later, yeah, it's wise beyond your years. I said to him, if your wife thinks there is a problem in your marriage, you have a problem because the two of you are not on the same page. It doesn't matter what the issue is. It doesn't ultimately matter if you saw it first or she saw it first. It doesn't really matter if you agree with it or not. You have to face it and understand it and realize you have to take the lead in working through it because she's part of you. You're not complete without her. And that's a pretty good indication she probably isn't seeing the love of God flowing through you. The sad truth is that when it comes to doing wise maintenance on marriages, men start out from the default position of clueless. And for most men, unless they are willing to take and heed wise advice, they will let a marriage deteriorate until the need isn't just for maintenance, it it needs major repairs. You know, you don't have to go through that silly notion of changing the oil in your car every several thousand miles. You can just ignore it. I mean, it'll, it'll keep going until it doesn't. This is a much more serious relationship than you and your car. You know, my, my head doesn't say, oh, that's just a broken ankle. I don't have a problem. It's fine up here on top. No, head and body are inseparable. And that leads logically to the third aspect of the kind of love that husbands are called to have for their wives. It's nurturing love. We'll pick it up at the beginning of the sentence at verse 28. So husbands ought, in other words, in this like manner, here's your Here's your responsibility. Here's your debt. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. You see that over and over again? Just as Christ, just as Christ, unto Christ, for Him. Nourish means to supply with food, to nurture, to to, to, to bring up. We're going to see that again when we get to children in chapter 6. And the same way, a husband is responsible to be the leader in spiritually and emotionally nourishing his wife toward greater and greater glory. Now, she's not a child. You're not her superior. You are not his manager. But you are his, her example. And you are inextricably joined to her by a covenant before God. Cherish means to provide heat, to give warmth. Uh, its metaphorical use in regard to relationships means to tenderly make someone feel warmed and accepted and wanted. Now I'll come back to that, but before we do, let's look at the simple, profound conclusion to this passage. It, passage. it summarizes everything we've studied on wives and husbands. Look at it starting at verse 30. Because we are members of His body. Why does Christ care for us so rigorously? Because we're family. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.